welcome to the podcast, everybody. Anthony Heller here. Got Jake Hendrickson on. Um, Whitetail Habitat Management, Michigan dude. Guy has some great stuff on Instagram. You want to figure out stuff to do over the summer and whatnot. That's what we're going to talk about today. But if you want to uh, actually just like follow straight along with him, find him on on it. Is Instagram your main channel still? So yeah, I've got two two of the main ones. Instagram, yeah, Whitetail Habitat Management, and then on YouTube, the uh, channel name is Whitetail Evolution. So got two different handles there. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to Either trying to cover the whole gamut. Post content to both. Yeah. Yeah, trying to cover the whole gamut, make people think like, oh yeah, well, I, I follow Whitetail Evolution. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I follow Whitetail Habitat Management. Keep them guessing. <laughs> right. But uh yeah, no, drinking drinking water tonight. And I and I was into the fitness thing for a while, and that was kind of a what I want to say, like it was a, a burst to prove to myself that I could do it. Like, Hey man, no, no bush lights and no like binge drinking on the weekends. And I did it for eight weeks. And that's you did like, it, man. I was gonna say, you did it. I saw the before <laughs> and after pictures. I'm like, Holy cow, yeah. you did it. making me look bad. <laughs> yeah. But now, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you start drinking bush lights again and all that stuff just comes right on. <laughs> right on. Oh, yeah, it comes back quick, especially when, as, you, as you get older, you can't slip up. <laughs> Right. Yeah, dude. The one thing that I would say that I learned the most about that eight weeks when I was like really trying to cut weight and like get a six pack and all that stuff is I was doing the, the exact same, if not less workouts than previously in my life, like doing 30 minute, maybe 40 minute workouts. Okay. Um, not even an hour or anything like that doing very little cardio. And, uh, it was all for me, it was all about my food intake. Yeah. Your diet. That's, that's more yeah. important than your workout. It what? Yeah. Like people always say like, what's more important, the workout or the diet. And, and for my personal like body or whatever is going on in my regular lifestyle. Yeah. Like just not yeah, like, I really like pasta. I like to eat pasta. I like to make, yeah, that's my problem. It, it tastes too good. I can't cut it out. You know? <laughs> yeah. So literally just cut that out and, uh, and just tried to eat like essentially you could call it like a paleo diet, I guess, yeah, yeah. more or less just like natural stuff. So if it hasn't been like processed in some way, so essentially like steaks, burgers, brats are pro processed, but I live in Wisconsin, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, doesn't, doesn't count. Doesn't count. So yeah, that stuff. And then just like a lot of veggies mainly is just like meat and veggies. And then, uh, and then like, I, I would have rice and sweet potatoes. Like those were like my two kind of carbs that I'd eat. Yeah. But yeah, just that was, it was really interesting. It was unique. Um, and I enjoyed it, but, uh, I am, I'm done enjoying that and ready to live my, my you're enjoying, summer. not enjoying that anymore. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what are you enjoying doing right now? Yeah, right now it's, yeah, 100%. Yeah, deer habitat, you know, 24 7. Uh, we, we're always finding something to do. Yeah, for those of you guys that haven't been like following us on Instagram or YouTube, we have 36 acres here in Southwest Michigan. And we try to, you know, in, improve the deer habitat to give ourselves, you know, better hunting opportunities in the fall. So there's a, a lot that goes into that. But today we're going to focus more on food plots. And my food plot journey started probably around. 10 years ago. Uh, and it wasn't pretty. Um, I started out <laughs> making every mistake, you know, you can make. And you know, looking back, 
like Facebook will send you those reminders, like, you know, 10 years ago today or whatever. Yeah. And I, I got one, um, like one of those 11 years ago today, uh, picture sent to me a couple weeks ago and it was like food plot going in the ground. And I, I just saw the picture. I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That was your food plot, man. <laughs> it was, I, I just went into the woods, you know, raked away some leaves, threw some seeds on the ground and, and thought I was going to have a, a, a perfect food plot. Like you see in the magazines. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Nah, <laughs> I got my strategy so, yeah, all I, wrong. <laughs> yep. So I, I learned, I learned the hard way on a lot of things. And I had a lot of great uh, teachers, like some of the guys that I hunt with that had been putting in food plots for a while. So they, they helped me out. A lot of guys in my local QDM, now, now NDA uh, group, you know, helped me out. And there's so yeah. much information on YouTube and online to help you, uh, you know, be successful with this stuff. And so I've been just trying to, you know, pick what makes sense to me and, and experiment and try it on, on our properties. And, and now we, we've got, we have some pretty good food plots. So, I mean, we, we've done everything from, you know, till on your plots to, to having some no-till uh, planting methods. So we, we've tried it all. So I don't know what you necessarily want to talk about first or, or what. But we Yeah, can... well, first of all, like I tried it last year. The throw and grow stuff doesn't really work that well. It says it on the bag, but it's not like, well, <laughs> it's, it, it's it not. It probably anything. grew, didn't it? You just didn't attract any deer? Some of it grew. Okay. <laughs> So um, that, yeah. that was my first food plot too. It was the throw and grow stuff with the big, with the buck grabbing something to eat on the bag. It's like an orange bag. I think it just says throw and grow. That was what I grabbed too. And yeah. I didn't do anything right. I really just uh, raked leaves off the, the, out of the woods and, and threw it down and it, it germinated, but that's it. So you had a little bit of a green carpet, maybe two weeks after you planted but then it didn't go, go much further than that. And so yeah. there's a couple steps, you, like if you wanted to plant like a, a smaller food plot in the woods, there's a couple things you want to make sure to do. And I guess like we can go over a couple different types yeah. of food plots if you want, but yeah, so hold, hold the thought, hold the thought. Cause the other, the other thing I was going to say was there is, you, you mentioned there's information everywhere and yeah. I'm not, I'm not good with food plots. So it's actually honestly a little overwhelming because right. Yeah. Hard to like, even know where to begin. Like, like my question is first question is like, when do I plant and what do I plant and why would I plant this? And, Over and that. all the, there's so much like, and then you start asking those questions and all of a sudden you're like down this rabbit hole for an hour and a half watching yeah. YouTube videos. And so like, you can I get guess lost that, in it for sure. what's that? You can get lost in it for sure. <laughs> If you really yeah, like, and some of the content makes sense. Some of it doesn't make sense. And I think like, I think where, where I started and, and it's correct me if I'm wrong here, this is a good starting point. It's, but it's like, when, what is the purpose behind the food plot? And then if it is like a, a hunting plot that you're actually going to hunt, like, when are you going to hunt? Because then that would dictate when you plant and how you plan and what you plant. Right? Yeah, there, yeah, exactly. There is so much to food plots that you probably can't cover it in a single podcast. Like there's like, so I would say there's two big things with food plots. There's one, you want it to work for you from a hunting standpoint. So like, you're not just planting this because you want it to look good. I mean, you want it to look good, but you also want to make sure that it's doing its job. It's pulling deer from one location to another location. So you have a a pattern, right? Like in yeah. public land hunters that they're trying to figure this out from scouting, right? They're trying to think, okay, the, we're doing some early January scouting. 
where are these deer bedding at during the season? And then you're trying to figure out, okay, where are they going to be feeding at? They, is there like a neighboring uh, cornfield they're going to or bean field? Are they hitting this white oak stand? With private land, you can do that with food plots. You know, you can, you can say, I want these deer to move here in the afternoon when they get up from their beds. And there's different kinds of food plots. Like there's going to be more of your, you mentioned a hunting plot versus a, a destination field or destination plot. And that kind of has to do with maybe the size of the plot and uh, how, I guess how much cover it has around it. So a destination uh, plot would be a larger plot. And, and that would be, you know, like you're maybe a, a two acre to, you know, 20 acre field of soybeans. And okay. it could be, you know, it could be brassicas, it could be cereal grains. There, there's a lot of different destination plots but the, the biggest thing with destination plots I feel like it, it's those larger plots when you're driving down the highway and you look off to the side and you see deer in the field that's probably where they're going to spend most of the night is in in that large field but okay. what that tells me is if those deer are in that field those adjacent woodlots probably don't have any hunting plots in there because if those deer are out in those fields an hour and a half before dark then they're not staging anywhere in the woods into those, into those uh, hunting plots because they're actually exposing themselves a lot earlier than what they want to be. They would rather stay in cover for a little bit longer, especially in high hunting pressure states like Wisconsin and Michigan. You know, they, they don't want to expose themselves in those big fields. They would rather have a smaller plot kind of on their way to that destination plot or destination field or whatever. To, yeah. just to hang out in and browse in before making their way out there. And so you can kind of give them with different types of food plots, you can kind of steer them around your property on the way to a destination field. So guys with larger properties can provide all of it. You know, they can provide the, the big destination field and they can have the small hunting plots in, you know, that they have their bedding on, on the other side of the property where guys with smaller properties, maybe like in the 20 acre size, if it's mainly cover or, to, or 15 acres. And if you don't have, or, or maybe you don't have any tillable ground, maybe it's really hilly, like you don't have any tillable ground and you, your neighbor has the ag, right? Your neighbor has the ag fields and that's where those deer are going at night. You, know, you can put in hunting plots, maybe like a hundred yards away or 80 yards away adjacent okay. to those ag fields and you can get those deer to stage in there and browse in there and then then they'll move out to those ag fields so you're slowing them down and you also are giving yourself yeah. a hunting opportunity because you can kind of really define the movement with where those deer want to go you're yeah. creating a pattern with the food plots and if you sure. and if you don't have the food like if if you're someone that doesn't have any food in your area and, and you put food on your property you're going to draw deer in from a long ways away if you have the food and if you don't have any food on your property, green green food is with food plots, then you're at a disadvantage because then, then the movement on your property is more random and you're gonna be hunting movement to like a, a different food plot or a different ag field. So you can really create a pattern of movement on your property with food plots. And the different types of food plots, again, I think it, it kind of is how open it is and in the size of the plot. So like a larger a larger plot is more your destination plot and the smaller ones are your, your hunting plots. I think your second question was, when am I hunting these? Uh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Before okay. we go on, before All right, go ahead. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to go over right there. Um, a lot of questions I have. Um, so 
first thing is, um, is there one of the, one of the thoughts that I have? So there is a, a, a section of my property that is just hard. It's hard to hunt. It's really hard to hunt. Uh, just wind, just the entry and exit and, and the wind swirling and where the deer are coming from. Yep. Like there's really, it's, it'd be very difficult for me to, uh, it's easy ass, super easy access to get in there. And, uh, and I'd be able to sit on that food plot, but if I didn't shoot something, I'm like hundred percent guaranteed, I'd say 99% guaranteed to bump deer on my way out. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not necessarily a spot that I want to hunt. Plus, um, it, it does, there are some pretty good swirling winds in this area, but it's it, the, the bonus is that it's already cleared out. So it's yeah. just tall grass. Um, so one of my thoughts was, is it reasonable or feasible, or I should say reasonable to plant a plot there, but just never really hunt it just to hold deer? Is that a thing? That's a, that's a thing. <laughs> if, okay. Yeah, for sure. So if you, like you said, it's a very high risk spot and it potentially could be high reward. So that's just something that you have to kind of, you know, run the numbers, you know, so maybe don't do it early season. I guess when does your, like our season starts October 1st, but you guys are a little earlier than us, I think. Yeah. It's, it's the third, the third Saturday of September. So okay, it so can be like a week in there. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. You, you might be able to, like if there's a cold front that first week in that maybe the bucks are still on, on a, bed to food pattern and if you have a cell camera out there that's telling you that there's a deer hitting that plot you know you know every day at a certain time it's fairly consistent maybe take a chance that first cold front but if, if, it, if there's not something like a pattern that you're seeing or you don't know for sure I'd wait to hunt it okay. because like you said it's, it's high risk and if you like booger that area up it, it could be done for the year like these, like in a high pressure area, like you're hunting and you're, th these deer aren't going to give you a second chance very, very many times, you know, maybe, right. maybe you'll have a hot doe run in front of him. He'll chase that doe back to you, but that's, a, that's just, you know, luck at that point. So. Yeah. Uh, so know. that is okay. So that is a, all right. Yeah. So essentially that's one of my thoughts. And then like, and then the, the next thought is there like, and this is just me personally is like, okay, do I, do I anticipate it being an early season spot so i should plant like a clover or something or do i anticipate it being a late season plot and, and throw in some brassicas and then just let it be all year and then maybe sneak in there in the winter yeah um, so when you're talking about like a, a hunting plot and depending on your deer density and the size of your plot you really got to think about what you're planning just from like a, a like a browse perspective because these deer they can mow a plot down really quick. So if, depending on the size of your plot, like it, like let's say it's less than a half acre and you have a lot of deer in the area and you plant brassicas, they could mow that down. Cause you wanna plant brassicas, you know, in early August, just to make sure they have enough time before that first frost to, to really grow. And if you, if the deer hit them too hard, they could wipe your plot out and you're gonna be left with nothing but dirt. So that's just something that you're gonna probably have to figure out like you okay. know your area like you know how many deer there are and and you know the size of the plot like if it's a smaller plot you normally can't plant something like soybeans you normally can't plant something like brassica just because the deer are going to come in there and they're going to hit it hard and then it's going to yeah. be gone especially if there's not a lot of food in the area but if you have a lot of food around you they might leave it alone 
And if there's not a lot of deer around, they might leave it alone. And if it's maybe it's a little larger plot, you might be able to get away with it. But like the smaller hunting plots, I like planting something that's more browse tolerant. So that would be that would be your clovers, your um, your chicory. So like a clover chicory mix would be would be good because then you still have diversity in there. Sure. You know you you don't have and even when you plant clover, don't just plant one kind. You want to make sure to. This is like a, another whole separate topic, but you want to try to make sure you're always putting a, bl a blend in. So it's not just standing soybeans. It's not just purple top turnips. You're like the, those brassica mixes. There's a lot of different things in those mixes, so, but like a lot of clover mixes, it's just like straight ladino clover or, you know, another type of clover, but you want to try to mix them all up because different seeds are going to perform better with different types of soils and deer like diversity anyways. Like okay. they, they're so I, I would plant a mix, browse tolerant mix in a small hunting plot. Gotcha. All right. So, I mean, that gives, yeah, that, and that makes sense. Cause this, this plot is probably, it's for sure under an acre. Um, maybe if I bet you it's like three quarters or less, um, okay. somewhere three, in that three range. Quarters you could, you could maybe get away with, uh, some brassicas. Okay. D depending on your deer density. You know, if you have a lot of deer per square mile, you're, they could hammer it. Yeah, no, and that's that's a totally random factor that I don't know, which is how many extra deer would that draw? Right. You know, because there is, I don't know, like eight to 12 does that live on the property that I get regularly. Uh -huh. you know, and then maybe like four, four to six bucks that are in the area all the time. They, they might not yeah. live on it, but I mean, the does are pretty consistent. Like they kind of, they bet in one of three areas and they kind of just hang around. There is a say a 600 a 600 acre egg field. Um, that's planted in like 20 to 30 yard rows of like, here's corn and then soybeans and then hay and then corn and then soybeans and then hay. Okay. So yeah, they, they kind of have, they have a ton of food up there, but it's a hundred percent exposed. So like I I've never seen the deer in there ever feeding in that 600 yeah. acre field. Um, but, uh, but anyway, the other thing that you had, you had mentioned, um, and one of the other, the other things is I don't, I like asking my personal questions on here on yeah. the podcast and whatnot, but at the same time, I feel like the listeners, if, if people are actually listening to, to me consistently, they're like, yeah, Anthony, I've heard this before. We don't need to go over it again. <laughs> I feel like those are real questions that everyone are like, everyone's going to have. Like I, I ask those when I'm trying to figure something out, like I, those are the same questions that I would be asking. Okay. So, all right. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, we have that, that, that's, that small acre acreage. Um, the other, the other thing is you mentioned, like, if you have a smaller lot, like a 15 acre or a 20 acre, maybe even like a, a 10 acre or a 30 acre, and you don't have food, can you, instead of like, man, if I, if I look at that and like, dude, I really don't want to spend, you know, two weeks clearing out an area, you know, a half acre to plant. Yeah. Um, there's two questions there is, can I manipulate the property to be like the bedding area? Is that feasible yeah. as well? If, so when possible, I would say you, you want to try to have food plots uh, just okay. because you, they're going to have like all that woody regeneration and acorns and stuff like that. They're going to be like eating that all day in the bedding areas. But you, you could absolutely, if you have a smaller property and, and you, have primarily the, the secure bedding, you're gonna have a huge advantage because that's most likely where those deer are going to be 
hanging out in the day. And, and if you keep that property pressure free until the right time of year, so like the end of October, early November, wait for a cold front, and then you move in, like you're catching them off guard and everyone else, they don't have that kind of patience. So they're going to be hunting their property, pushing deer, and then they're going to kind of, you're, you're going to be collecting deer in the first part of the season. And so then you just got to figure out, you know, you hunt the right wind, hunt the right side of your property for the, for the right wind. But then you'll have to just, I guess, wait for them to come out. But you, you won't really have an idea on where they're going to be going if, if you don't have the food. And, unless you sure. know where they're going to the neighbor's ag field, if you know that. Like if, you, if your neighbor has a bunch of ag and it's maybe it's still standing, like if it's still a standing cornfield or if he's got cut hay, sometimes they'll still go out to that. Like if, or if the beans are still out there, maybe there's some spillage they're going out to get. I don't know. But yeah. you've got to try to figure out where they're going. Okay. Like if you, if you can keep your property, uh, no, and that, and that really makes sense because like, yeah, like a, a food plot is, is like a, a single point where regardless of the direction they're coming to that point, right? They can't see the property line. So, right. Exactly. And long as, as long as you play the wind, like they can come from anywhere in front of you. Right. Right. Whereas, uh, if you make your property into like a bedding area type scenario, they can leave, they can leave that bed in any direction. So you don't know, like maybe you have a 50, 50 chance. Maybe you have a one in 10 chance. Maybe you have a one in 20 chance. Whereas if you're, if you're on the plot, you have like a, a 10 out of 10 chance that they're going to come to that point. Right. right. And not necessarily being on the plot, just having the plot. So, you know, you don't, you don't always necessarily want to be on the plot because then you're going to run the risk of making a, a move. Like, let's say you, you have like a doe family and a, and a couple young bucks in your, in your plot. Like those aren't the deer that you're targeting, you know? So you, you might be, you'll have to be very still trying to, but if they make you, or if they wind you, then you could have just like messed that plot up. So it might, it yeah. might be better to sit more uh, shade towards the, the bedding area side of the food plot and just kind of let them filter into that thing and then wait for that that buck that you're waiting on to, to kind of like because he's going to go a little slower and he's going to wait before he steps out into that plot you know it, it has to be a I, I feel like it has to, in a high pressure state they need it to be a smaller food plot for them to feel comfortable going out there and sometimes they don't even go out depending on the time of year sure. like during the I mean during the the uh the rut like when they're just looking for does, like they, they don't eat very much they, that they lose so much weight. Like they're, they don't go out in those food plots a whole lot unless they know there's deer out there and, or they know there's a hot doe. A lot of times they'll just scoot the downwind edge of it. And so you as a hunter, you don't, if you're sitting on the food plot, yeah, downwind of you is where that buck wants to be. Right. Sure. Yep. So then he's winding you and you didn't even know he was there. Right. Or so he was coming that. Yeah. And so every, every time you make something on your property, whether it's a bedding area or whether, or whether it's a food plot, you're, 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 you're changing what the deer are doing. And so like the, the does and the young bucks and the fawns, they're going to go from bedding to feeding and, and you're going to be able to see those trails show up. They're going to be like cow paths and the, the mature bucks will take those too. But a lot of times after you put in an improvement, you're going to see like a down, like along the edge of it, like deer are edge creatures. And so you're going to see like a trail on the inside edge of the food plot, but you're also going to see a trail show up on the outside edge, like, you know, and it's going to depend on, on the cover and the area and where that trail is, but it, it could be 
80 yards away. It could be 50 yards away, but that's where the off season scouting comes in or just like observation. Like, okay, I see that buck taking that trail downwind of it. That's the trail I need to be hunting right. and flag it in the off season. But so you yeah. want to, you bring up, you bring up another good point. Um, when you say like bucks don't want to go or bucks want those smaller plots, right. why would you, and this, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but why would you want a destination plot and a hunting plot? Why wouldn't you just have a bunch of hunting plots or why wouldn't you just have a single destination plot? So for me, I don't necessarily want to have a destination plot. If I had a, a I don't, my, the properties that I hunt on, we, we're not fortunate enough to have a lot of tillable ground on it. I think the largest area we have is, is maybe an acre, but even with that, like, we try to break it up. We try to compartmentalize our food plots. So we might have like, you know, like a, a quarter acre plot here and that'll lead into another quarter acre plot, which might lead into another quarter acre plot. So in, instead of having one solid acre, you're having several smaller food plots within that acre. You know, so you, you, are, you are losing food plot space, but it, it's helping you as a hunter because one, you're giving the deer space which is what they want. They, they want to, to kind of be by themselves a little bit like doe family groups don't really get along together and they don't really want to be harassed by bucks that much. So you're, you're just giving them a place to, to hide from, from each other. So if you have like a, a food plot in one section of your property and it's really close to another one and there can be two separate doe family groups in there, you know, the stress level is a lot lower. So the deer are happier and those bucks now, because they know like the, the these food plots didn't just appear overnight. Like they know from being there on the property all year, they know that there's two separate food plots. These doe family groups are using these food plots. Like they know they have to check each one now. Like if you have just one big field, that buck can stand on the edge and just look at that whole big field. But if you have yeah. a bunch of smaller plots, he has to work a lot more. Yeah. To like check all those plots. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Like, so he'll either do like one of two things. So he'll like swoop around the downwind side of the food plots to check it. Or what he can do too, is there's going to be a lot of doe traffic coming from the doe beds to the food plots. He could just cut that, cut all of them at once. Sure. And just, you know what I mean? Like he can just go perpendicular to those doe trails from bedding to feeding. And he can scent yep. check every single one of those at the same time. Got it. So if you, if you could find that trail, on the downwind side, like where the, where the downwind sneak trail meets that trail and you can hang your stand right there, maybe put a scrape on it. And then you just, you have high odds for that one. Yeah. Okay. So then, and, and if I remember right, don't your neighbors have big, big egg fields? Yeah. Yep. So my, my neighbors have a lot of egg. So I've got a hay field to my East and I've got across the street this year, looks like they're doing soybeans. And I, I have no idea what the guy south of me is doing right now. Uh, last year it was corn. I, I don't know if he's put anything in yet, but to my immediate south in my, the west of the property, it's a, it's a cattle pasture. So okay. depending on when the cattle are being rotated around, that'll depend on if there's deer out in those fields or not. Yeah. So when there's, I like it when the cattle are in there, cause that means I can walk right through them and I'll never see a deer. And I can sneak in and sneak out. But when the cattle aren't there, then I'm in trouble sometimes because then every once in a while they'll use that cattle pasture to to move from woodlot to woodlot. But yeah. 
Okay. And that the reason I asked that is because then, it, I mean, essentially you don't need to put the destination plots. Like you don't need to put no, big pieces no. everybody else has them already. The farmers yeah. do. Yeah. So yeah, the strategy behind my property is the, the deer can really go. There's a couple different destination fields that they like to feed in at night. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving them kind of a pit stop on the way. And so I'm, I'm putting the bedding in the interior of my property. And then I'm, and, and also a lot of it on the Southern side of my property. Okay. And then I'm, most of my food is going on the North side. So I'm drawing a lot of deer from the South side of my property to the North side of my property. And then I can hunt them in between. And then at night, then they move off to the destination field. Gotcha. And I, one thing that I'm like, it takes time to do all this stuff like food plots you can get them in in a single season but depending on the type of the screen that you want and this is we haven't touched on this yet like you want to make sure that your food plots are hidden because if the food plots aren't hidden in a high pressure state the deer will not want to use them in daylight so we have a food plot that's only about 100 yards away from my house and the screen is slowly coming in like i think that this we, we have a, a row of a switchgrass. And the first year we did sorghum on the backside of the switchgrass and that was okay. But I, I want more of a permanent screen. I, I didn't want to keep having to put that sorghum in every single year. So I, I broke down, I just bought miscanthus to, to line, to kind of line the switchgrass. The switchgrass would be fine on, an, on a lot of properties because it'll get like five and a half feet tall. But my house, there's a, an incline. So my house is, it sits too high. So I can see over the switchgrass into the food plot, which is not good because then the deer in the food plot can see my house. And it, it's interesting when you actually sit there and like watch these deer in the food plot, like when you're hunting. So last fall, I, I sat off to the side and I was watching um, a few does and a, and a young buck in that food plot. They were, it's a winding plot. And in the middle of the plot, you can see my house from any point in the middle. But if you're on the side, depending on which way it's winding, you, you can't see it. What those deer would do is they would sit on one side and then as the plot winded to where they were kind of in the middle and they could see my house, they would quickly shoot to the other side to where they couldn't see my house. <laughs> so they know, they do not want any, like, a, and that just probably they're like, they have bad experiences when they are in front of houses in this, like in this neighborhood. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, you walk out the door and shoot a deer. Exactly. So <laughs> it makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. that's why for, for this, this property and this particular plot in the front of my, the very North half of my property, I need a very tall screen. And so that's why I opted for like a miscanthus grass, which is a perennial. So it, once the first year, it'll be the hardest year. Cause it'll be, it'll come in a little thin, but then every year after that, it, it should come in pretty thick. It's basically like your decorative grass or like ornamental grass. You see sometimes up by people's mailboxes, except this one's on steroids. <laughs> so how tall do you anticipate that getting? It should get 10 feet tall. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like, yeah, I, I like it. I like it for a screen. My wife doesn't like it. She likes to see really far, but I, I'm like, that's, you can't see very far. <laughs> I try yeah. to yeah, that's yeah that is uh that is one of the downfalls with with my dad uh and i on our on our property my dad's yeah. perception of what a good woods is everything's mature and there's no undergrowth yeah. so it's pretty yeah and i'm like it's no good for squirrels and maybe some turkeys 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not what we want. That is literally going to drive all the deer off of here. That's yeah. why when, because he likes to sit in one spot where you can see forever in the woods. Like, yeah. That's why you don't see anything. It's because so they don't. 30 like got six and you can shoot 400 yards in any direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, so we covered, so we just covered the, the kind of the what to plant or why to plant. Um, the next question that I was going to have is essentially like, if I'm somebody looking to plant this year and I'm like, all right, I want to try a new food plot. Um, yep. You mentioned planting in August. Is that when we're going to plant most? most yeah. Time? So there's, there's um, I would say planting in August, that, that's my preferred time to plant regardless of what you're planting. So if you want to plant something like, look, so there's a difference between a perennial and an annual and like a, a perennial means it's going to come back every single season, like a clover or a chicory or like a, an, an annual that's going to only come, it's going to come back once. Right. So like it's, going to, it's going to grow in the fall or, or whenever you plant it, it's going to have you know one growing cycle, then it's done. And most of what we plant for deer or a lot of it, it's an annual, except for like the clover chicory. And I would say I like to plant both of those in the fall. And okay. The in reason August. is, is, oh, go, go ahead. I said in, in August, like early in August. August. Yeah. So it, it would, it depends on where your listeners live. You, you want to go about, you know, 45 to 60 days before the first frost. And if that, that's going to vary every single season. So okay. it, it would just kind of, for me here in Southern Michigan, I like to do it right around August 1st. Okay. Right before a rain though. So if that means that uh, I remember a couple of years ago, we didn't get a, a good rain until like the 20th of August. And so that's when I planted. And so my stuff was a little, it didn't get as, it as big, but if, if you, if I would have planted on August 1st, I wouldn't have had the success. Sure. So or like, you want to make sure you're planting as close to early yeah. August as you can, but time it with a rain. Time, or yeah. Or even like late July. If you late get a July. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it depends on, on how big you want your uh, plants to get too. So there's, so with brassicas, if you plant it in like late July, they'll, you'll have purple top turnips that are huge, you know? So gotcha. you, you can plant them a little earlier too. Gotcha. All right. And so, so essentially, I mean, for everybody listening, like you're going, you're going to want to plant in August. Um, if you're planting a, like a, a smaller plot, um, then you're probably going to want to have that cleared out or, or killed off or whatever by when would you do that early July or something? So if you, yeah, if you're a brand new food plot starting from scratch, the first thing that you want to do is get a soil test. Like that's the, that's the number one thing or, or maybe tied for number one. So get a soil test. You're going to probably have a little bit of acidic soil and you're going to have to bring in, you know, a little bit of lime and you can get a soil test from like a local university. There's a lot of companies out there. that will do a soil test. Basically you get a little bit of uh of dirt from your plot, mail it off to them. They'll send you back a report. It'll tell you your pH, what kind of soil you have, the nutrient levels in your soil. And then it'll tell you like how, a lot of these companies that if they're, it's a food plot company, you can tell them what you're interested in planting and they'll give you the required pH and then how much lime for your plot per acre. And so then you just kind of have to do the math. Like, so, you know, okay. on, on how much lime to apply. But most of it is going to be around six and a half to seven pH, like a neutral pH. And then the higher you get on that scale, the, the more uh, alkaline and the uh, lower, the more acidic. 
but you, you want to make sure that you take care of the, the uh, pH first because what that's going to do is it, it's it's how the, the plant or it's the um, it releases nutrients basically for the plant. So if, if, if you put fertilizer down on your plot and you don't have the correct pH, that's not gonna be available for the plants to absorb. It can only absorb a, a little bit of it, but if you have the correct pH, it's, it's able to absorb a lot more. And so gotcha. you, yeah, so you wanna make sure you're correcting the pH. And it, that's a couple year process. It's, it doesn't happen all in one year. But then the, okay. another thing that you wanna make sure you're doing, if it's a new plot, if it's a smaller hunting plot, a lot of, this was one of my early mistakes, is I did not take down nearly enough trees for that plot to get enough sunlight. Like you gotta make sure that these plots are getting full sun, even clover. Like people that are planting clover in, in the middle of the woods when it's you know shaded out, like it's gonna germinate, but you're not gonna have success. So just, I guess, do, the, do a couple, take a couple extra trees down, do a little extra work just so it turns out right. Like you don't wanna put in all that work and then you could have just done a little bit more work to have it actually be successful. You know, yeah. just, I would, I would just, you know, try to just do it right the first time to, to not, because uh, like my, my first plots were, were shaded out. That was my, my issue. I had great seed to soil contact and right before rain, but they germinated, but they didn't go much further than that because they got shaded out and died. Gotcha. So, okay. Those are the two biggest things with, with food plots is sunlight and then a, a soil test to make sure you, you, you get the, uh, the, the ground amended. But then okay. as far as killing off weeds, if you, there's a couple ways you can, you can do this. If you wanted to, if you really need to like build your soil, you can go like the, the buckwheat route, which is becoming more and more popular now. That's, it, uh, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that are, that are doing this. Uh, like I'm sure everyone knows Jeff Sturgis, like he, he has a lot of great videos on his, his buckwheat method. And then Dr. Grant Woods from Growing Deer TV, like he, he has a lot of great information on, on his no-till system, uh, but they're very similar. It, it, you're basically planting a cover crop now during the summer, and then basically that's gonna smother out your weeds. And so if it's your first time doing it, you gotta make sure you're, you're killing all your weeds because you're, you're basically starting from scratch. Unless you're going yeah. in a woodlot, then you won't really have much of anything. But you could plant like like buckwheat, maybe the first week of June, time it with the rain again, and you're gonna want to smash that. You you want to probably take a drag and loosen up the, the the dirt if it's in the woods, so there's not gonna be any vegetation, and plant your buckwheat seeds. Maybe drag it again with uh, just to, to cover them a little bit, then pack it down, and then buckwheat takes about six to eight weeks to fully mature. And so if you're planting on like the 6th, 7th of June, that's going to put you right around the same time that for your August planting. And hopefully if you, if you followed, if, if you got your buckwheat to take, then it's just going to be a stand of buckwheat because that stuff is going to smother all the weeds out. You might have a couple weeds in there, but not much. And then what you, what you can do too, is it, again, this is the no-till method with with a cover crop you can seed your fall blend right into the standing buckwheat and then smash it down and then if you want to after that you can run over it with some uh, roundup or glyphosate which is a herbicide that will just kill it'll kill the living plants of the buckwheat but it won't hurt your seeds because the seeds haven't germinated yet so okay. then, then then your basically your seeds are underneath the smashed buckwheat and then they can emerge and they, they're protected so that 
like birds can't get them, you know, they're, they, they're going to retain moisture. And then you can, then the nice thing about this system is it, it's just a cycle. It just repeats itself. So your fall crop will come back in the spring and you can, you know, right around now or like Memorial day, first week of June, you can smash it down, like seed, seed buckwheat into it again, smash it down and just start all over again. So that's like for guys with really sandy soil, this is a great way to build the soil without ever having to till. Because if you, if you till sandy soil, all you're doing is you're flipping the sand to the top and you're, you're just going to start from scratch every single year. So you, you, yeah. you'd, you'd rather do like a, a no-till system with sand. But if, if you're someone that, you know, isn't comfortable doing that or, or maybe you, you think you, your weeds are too out of control to, to try something like that, you can also just, and this is what I did the first year here, is I just took the first year to control my weeds. So I, I just, right about now, I think it was mid, mid-May, the, the first time I did it, I, I just sprayed all my weeds with glyphosate and 2,4-D. So glyphosate kills everything. And then 2,4-D, that kills broadleafs. And I, I just had a backpack sprayer and I did, I think two and a half acres with that thing. I would not recommend that because it sucked. <laughs> but, but it worked like so I went through and I killed everything in the food plots and I did it three times but the, the last time I did it like so glyphosate as soon as it touches the ground it's done so like it, it, it doesn't kill anything else once it touches the ground it neutralizes the chemical but 2,4-D that'll stay in the ground for about three weeks so if you planted something in the ground immediately after it would die and Okay. Yeah. So, so the last time you do it, so if what you want to do, so you're going to spray your, your, your food plot, kill all the weeds around now, whenever this goes up, spray your plot and then monitor your plot because different weeds are going to germinate at different times of the year. Think about your landscaping, like different flowers come up at different times of the year. Right. So same thing with weeds, they're going to come up at different times. So there's going to be another round of weeds that's going to come up like maybe mid to late June, let those things get six to eight inches tall, go back in there with another round of glyphosate and 2,4-D and hit it again. Cause you're okay. just trying to eliminate as much weed competition as you can. And then again, it's gonna happen again. The weeds are gonna come back, the grasses are gonna come back. But this, the last time just use glyphosate because you wanna make sure when you plant your fall blend that it doesn't get killed out by the 2,4-D. Gotcha. So, just glyphosate and then you can spray or, or you could even seed into the weeds you have and then spray after it and then all that dying weed matter is again going to lay on top of those seeds and you'll be fine your stuff will germinate and it'll grow so that that's right that's how i got the plots here started the very first year and then i haven't had to do that since so got it okay all right. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's a process that's variant dependent upon what you want to do. Like if you're trying to do that in June or, or, I mean, if you're trying to plant in August and you just need to go and kill it, like just start killing it in July yep. and early. Yeah. July. So yeah, let's say, let's say you fall behind and for some reason, like you're like, Oh, I'm so busy until July. What you could do is if you have a mower, just, you can mow that stuff down as, as low as you can make sure there's like there's no stumps or rocks, but like mow it as low as you can get. 
and then let it start to grow a little bit. Like it's gonna, just like your yard, it's gonna rebound, it's gonna start to grow. As soon as it's actively growing again, hit it with spray. You know, so that, then it will kill it again. You can seed into it, hit it with spray or spray then seed, but th then you're killing it again and it's lower. Gotcha. You wanna make sure when you're using the chemical that the plants, that the weeds and the grasses aren't too high, just so the, the chemical is more effective. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was a problem we had last year. My dad, we had one plot that my dad did not mow. And then another plot that my dad did mow. And the one that he did mow, we didn't wait long enough. I think he mowed it like the day before I went to spray. Okay. And it didn't, it seemed like, like the, the weeds and everything there didn't even care. Yeah. Like it, they just, it didn't die and nothing took in that one plot where he mowed, but the one he, that he didn't mow, like everything, we just, we sprayed it all and just ran over it all with a four-wheeler and all yep. that died. Yeah. So, and that was really, that was much better soil contact. Right. Yep. And that's, the, that's why you're doing this is because you want to have good seed to soil contact and, and eliminate the weeds. I mean, I see a lot of times, like I'm, I'm, I'm I follow a lot of Facebook uh, food plot habitat groups and a lot of times like, someone will post a picture of like a food plot with some weeds in it asking how to get rid of it and someone else will comment and say oh that's deer food and they're not wrong weeds are deer food the problem is during the fall when we're trying to hunt the deer those weeds are dead so they're not doing anything for you you know okay. during the summer they are during the summer those deer will eat those weeds and so i guess it's fine but in the fall when you actually want that food plot to be pulling deer from one spot to another so you can hunt them yeah you know those, those weeds are gone like you if, if those if half your plot is weeds you know you lost half your volume yeah. so you, we, weeds are a big deal i don't know at least for me i, I don't like weeds <laughs> no no it, that makes sense um so then the other the next the next thought here and we're we got about 10 15 minutes left here before we hit the hour okay. which is uh and maybe we should just do two parts. I don't, maybe we'll think about that. Um, okay. We should, we should probably just, I, I've already thought about it. We should just do two parts. We'll okay. just, we'll do this again. I, I'll, I'm going to ask you for more of your time, Jake. Okay. <laughs> so the, the next, the next question is that, that I have really struggled with is where do you plant where, do, if you're going to make food plots, you got, you got no plots currently and you're going to make them or you're going to pick areas. How do you pick an area to, plot how do you you know to clear clear right that's the thought process there so each property is going to be a little bit different uh just because you have to think about a lot of things like what do these deer want to do like do, do you are you are you in an area that's heavy with ag like with with you like you have like that ag field to the north of you where those deer want to go or like do you, or do you, or do you have an area that you're willing to have logged that you maybe want would want to turn into a food plot that's you know that you could have you know be large enough to pull deer in that direction for a destination field and you can set up some some uh, smaller uh, food plots like along the way you know it, it's it's going to be different on, on every property but i, I yeah, would say that's you a make really sure, tough question that's a hard yeah. question i threw your it's hard one because you, you almost don't want to see the property to to do it but for, for me I, i'm if you if you really want to not complicate things you're trying to move deer from one spot to another. If you have an area that you think that it's, it's really good bedding habitat, like if this is this is definitely where the deer are going to be. It's a large swamp, or you have like this elevation where these deer want to be bedded. 
and you want to pull them to another side of your property and, and you don't want to plant on hills. So sometimes like I think your property is, is fairly hilly. Yeah. So you can't plant on the side of those hills. So you're kind of handicapped on where you can put them. But you, I would say I would not want to put them if I could help it in the center of the property, because then you're going to draw deer to the center and how we, then it's going to be a lot more difficult to hunt them. Now you can have a property set up like that, but it's going to be difficult to be able to hunt a deer from bedding to food when, and not disturb your property by putting it in the center. So I like to have it more on the outside of the property and then bedding more towards the interior. That way I can work around the edge of the property to, to hunt the deer. Gotcha. So, uh, that, and that makes a lot of sense. Cause that's the, the plot that I was describing earlier, right? When we started it's yep. dead center of the property. And that's one of the reasons why it's so tough to hunt because there's generally like three bedding areas uh, on the property, three or four, and yeah. uh, they can come from any of those, which makes any wind a bad wind. At right. That's the so. big issue. One of the ways you can hunt a a uh, food plot in the center. So if it's a really big food plot, a lot of like, you want it to be larger and compartmentalized, but then you could have bedding areas. I'm just thinking out like bedding areas in your corners. And then what those bucks are going to do during the rut is they're going to run from bedding area to bedding area. And then you can sit in between each bedding area. So you're not sitting in between the food. You're sitting in between each bedding area. And then as those bucks are running from bedding area to bedding area, checking for does, that's where you sit. So sure. that, that's kind of how maybe you make a, an, an interior food plot property work. So you have, again, you have the food plot in the center. And then in the corners, you got your bedding areas, like your really thick, nasty bedding. And then you have kind of just travel corridors or deer trails in between. And then that's where you sit. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Then you have a safe um, wind, right? You, have, you always have a safe wind because you're blowing it south, you're blowing it right. north. Yeah. So you just have to pick which side like of the plot you're sitting on or which, uh, yep. which like between what bedding areas. Yep. But um, again, that's just a really blanket statement because like, again, your property is so hilly that that might not work. <laughs> So yeah, no, no, no. And that's, yeah. And I, yeah, I'm trying to think of it from everybody's perspective, but essentially I, I like the idea of having kind of the bedding in the middle. If, if you're starting at a blank slate, if you, you can know, do it, have your plots around the edge. And, and one of the reasons why I didn't want to do that is because it's like, well, I don't want the deer to be, you know, close to my neighbors or I don't want them to stray to my neighbors. But at the same time, like if I tuck that, you know, 50 to hundred yards in from the fence line, then if they're coming from the middle of the property, like they're, they're not going all the way over the neighbors and I can still pull deer from the neighbors too. So, yeah. um, so that seems like a good idea. Like the way my food plots are set up on this property, I do have one. So my property is 800 yards long by 200 yards wide. So it's a really skinny piece of property, which okay. is kind of makes it tough. But so I do have a food plot in the center of the 200 yards but it's also shaded to the north. So it's on the north half of my property, but it's in the center. Okay. And that plot is difficult to hunt because it is in the, in the center, but I still plant it there because I, I want to draw deer there. And although I kind of just hunt them when, when they're on their way there, but I also have food plot trails and we can talk about this next time. Like, cause those are, are really awesome planting food plot trails. And the, the, I have those actually, just on the basically the edge of my property, only 50 yards in from my property line, I have a 10 foot wide clover trail. 
and that runs north to south, you know, with my property line. So that that draws deer from these mini plots to other mini plots, and then from bedding to bedding. And then I'm sitting basically on the property line, facing in the inside of my property, as these deer kind of walk gotcha. back and forth. Okay. So yeah, and one of the ways I thought about it that well, I don't know if this is right or wrong yet, because this is a plot that I'm putting up that I'll, I'm trying to put up this year. If, if family and, and work doesn't get in the way, um, which is like the deer generally are already headed in a direction on the property. Yep. Like they're headed from, let's just say they're, they're, there's bedding in the, on the Northeast corner and they're coming to the Southeast corner. So they're already on their way that way. And I have trail cameras in that, but there is no, there is a food source, but it's wide open. So like, I've never seen a deer out there. Actually, I've seen one deer out there during daylight hours. Other than that, like all my trail cam pictures on that food source are at night because it's the closest to the entrance of the property and all that. But my thought then is I know they're headed in that direction. Yeah. So if I can put something like you mentioned earlier, a kill plot, uh, it's actually only going to be about 20 yards off that major food source. It's the only piece of flat ground before it drops off and I can give a little cover on that. It might encourage them to come in a little bit sooner and hang out in that, in that, uh, like small plot. That's going to be maybe a half acre before they move out into that bigger, bigger plot. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like placing the small hunting plots, you know, on the way to like a, a destination food source. So yeah. if I know that my neighbor has a, a really great destination food source and I can't compete with that. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to compete with that. Then all I need to do is give these deer a little bit of a pit stop, like a, a, a staging plot, a pass-through plot as they come from bedding. Like you said, they're already going in a direction. They're already going from bedding to their, you know, nighttime food source, give them something in between. And it could be, could be a small plot you could plant some fruit trees there you know sure. like that, that's another thing that we didn't touch on at all is, is soft mass trees like yeah plant, plant those oh that's great not necessarily apples either like there's there's a few like apples and pears crab apples yeah okay no that's yeah and that's just one thing that that seems to register as a good idea in my mind like if you if you already know the tip general pattern that the deer yeah. are on or the general trails they like to use see if you can figure out a way to put in a huntable plot that has good an entry and exit and good wind options on that or or within that yeah. same travel route because it'll get them to stop and go to that area right yeah, yeah, don't don't necessarily try to change what they're doing because that's going to be a lot harder to do. Try to work within what they already want to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that 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 seems to be the thought process I'm on and and why it would make sense. But um all right, so we are we are just about to an hour here and I have to go get my 2-month-old here in a okay. well, she's 3 month 3 months old. So uh it is is my turn to hang out with her for the night. So um Jake, if, if we are, we will have a part two on this. Um, right. we'll, yeah, we, we got some more stuff to cover it and, and I'll do it on a night where I don't have to hang out with my three month old. So no, that's... it's okay. No, I, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> okay. So, uh, again, um, it's whitetail evolution on Facebook on YouTube, yep. and YouTube change it on Instagram too, to make it easy. So yeah, whitetail <laughs> habitat management on Instagram and then whitetail evolution 
on YouTube. We post videos as we're uh, doing work on our property. Normally it's like, used to be every week, but now I'm, I'm doing it probably every other week. So okay, they're, yeah, fairly consistent. Got it. All right. Yeah. No, I've watched a bunch of them. So they're great. They're great. If you, if you have any questions on that, but thanks everyone for listening and next week, or maybe even in a couple of days, we will be posting the, uh, the, the, the part two. Got to talk to Jake, figure out a schedule.